Welcome back to the Siloam Plus Podcast. My name is Josh Watford, and we got two people across the table from me today. On my left... Be John Nicholson. I'm back. Yeah. The infamous John Nicholson. Infamous, truly. <laughs> and on my right... Casey Dunaway. And Miss Casey is going to be... We're basically going to turn her into the host today. Uh, so I, I'm just introducing us, but we want to hand it over to Casey because Casey had an idea. So Casey, tell us about your idea and uh, go ahead and set up the rest of the podcast for us. We are going to be interviewing our pastor t- today just to get a little bit of background on them and some odd questions and some theological questions and go odd, from there. Odd questions sound scary. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> the theological questions could be scary on them anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, Casey always has deep. some good ones. So. <laughs> they're not that deep. Yeah. All right. Well, you got eleven questions. So let's get going. So we times got, two. Yeah, yeah. Times two. We we, we got to fly with this one. All right. Who wants to go first? John. Okay. Okay. So tell us a little about yourself. Oh gosh, really, please. <laughs> Been here 13 years almost now. Folks know a little bit about me, but uh, happily married, three kids, four grandkids, two big dogs, pile of chickens, and some bees. Um, you know, I, I love to read. Um, I love hand, having my hands in the dirt, growing things, um, and certainly love uh, the calling that God's placed on my life as a pastor. It's um, so don't much. jump the gun. Okay, don't jump the gun. All right. <laughs> I don't want to answer questions I haven't been asked yet. That's good. That's good. But that's right. a little bit about me. Good, good, good idea. Yeah. Josh? Well, a lot of people ask how old I am, uh, and I guess people don't know. Well, I'm 32 years old. Uh, I was born in Dothan and moved here nine years ago last month. Yeah, amazing. And uh, was married uh, almost nine years ago, uh, coming in September. Uh, to Rebecca, and then Judah is now five, and Josiah is now three, and they'll tell you that and make sure that you know that. <laughs> they will. Um, but uh, yeah, we've just watched you grow up here. It really have. It's amazing. You know, from being a single bachelor, fresh out of uh, college, to uh, whatever I am today—a well-seasoned so. <laughs> dad and husband. Yeah, now. something like that. <laughs> uh, and I hear they watched you go completely white. Yeah, pretty much. I had dark hair when they came around ten years ago. So, uh, it's your fault, Josh. That's what it is. There's the common there denominator. That's I miss all along. Just, it's I, Josh's fault. I show up and everything goes to pot. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, I'm recovering from some cold, so I may have some calls in here. We'll be all right. Mm. So, Josh, what's your favorite TV show and why? Favorite TV show? Now you're getting me in trouble. <laughs> uh, well, it's it's really a toss-up between The Office and Parks and Recreation. Right now I'm watching Frasier, though, yeah. uh, going through that, and I'm laughing hysterically every single <laughs> night at that. Uh, but, yeah, probably the classics of The Office or Parks and Rec. You sound like Chad. Yeah. That's so funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm good. Just <laughs> Go ahead. What's your favorite TV show? Favorite TV show? You know, Kylie, there's just so many. I mean, I, I'm still a huge fan of M.A.S.H., I mean, this is all old school stuff. There's nothing modern out here that I, we do have white hair. So thank you. Yeah, <laughs> go back to your corner. Uh, but uh, I mean, really, I I couldn't tell you what a current TV show is. Maybe outside of an NCIS kind of thing that Vanessa tunes into from time to time. But I mean, for me, it's going to be things like Mash or Seinfeld. I'm, I'm still a huge yep. Seinfeld fan. There's those are great great uh, storylines, and you know, even reaching further back than that. Uh, you know, a generation before mine even would be the Mayberry things. Yeah, uh, I still love those. Um, 
so you know I'm just looking for something to watch that those those are some Gilligan's Island you know those are the kinds of things mm-hmm. I'm looking for that I'm, I'm going to fall into if you could write a book what would you, what would it be about interesting uh, I've had one rattling around my but the whole issue with time Kronos versus Kairos Kronos being the TikTok time, you know, how we're driven by schedule and all of that in our society. And, I, and the Bible almost doesn't deal with Kronos. Almost. I mean, there's some elements of it, you know, in the year of, you know, Augustus and whatever, you know, Luke mm-hmm. II's things. But it's almost always this Kairos, Kairos this, this pregnant time, this right time, the nick of time, um, and trying to live into that. So there's. There have been some things rattling around in my head. I, I, they're not in any. They're not ready to go to a book form by any means. But if I was going to write something, that'd probably be something around that. And I know I you're in the thick of it with your doctoral program with reading yeah. books. But what would you write about? Well, I'm going to start writing a book next semester. That's right. Yeah, so, dissertation. Uh, called a dissertation. <laughs> and Lord willing, that will be on how the contagious holiness of the sacrifices and anointing oil in the Old Testament. Uh, is alluded by the New Testament authors in our sanctification by Christ's sacrifice and the Holy Spirit's anointing of us. And that's how... There's a whole other podcast episode right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Let Josh unpack <laughs> yeah, his now dissertation that's, that's, for us. That's what I have to write. If, uh, if, I, if I just chose a topic, I'd, I'd have to really think about that. Uh, have to sit down and figure that one out. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. You don't have anything just rattling around in there that you just think, I, have, I need to write about this. There's no room for anything to rattle around. <laughs> all, all the bandwidth is now taken up. That's right. Yeah. That's good. Um, how old were you when you felt God's calling on your life? And did you immediately start following his lead? Immediately? Pretty pretty close. Uh, I, I quit community. I was at Wallace Community College in Dothan. And... I knew I was unsatisfied because I knew I wasn't doing what God wanted me to do, but I didn't know what that was. So I took the next semester off, uh, and I remember my grandmother crying over me, thinking that I'm just like, I've stopped stopped school, all I'm doing is painting houses on the side, uh, and you know, what, what's my life gonna come to? Well, that January, uh, that was when the Lord revealed to me all that basically my entire life moving forward except for moving to Marion hmm. that that would come a little bit later but wow. yeah that's another story for another day too I knew where I was going to go to school what I was going to do and who I was going to marry so you were a late teenager early 20s I was 20 years old 20 okay yeah that's fascinating January of 2010 wow I can't tell you the exact day but that was the period in which he showed me all that. So glad yeah. you followed his lead. What no about doubt, you? Amen. Yeah, I was 13 years old. I was at uh, uh, RA camp at Shaco Springs, having my morning devotional. I I have been back to Shaco several times. Anytime I go back up there, I usually go around, and there was a pine tree that I was sitting under, um, having my morning devotional, and I've just very clearly sensed God calling me. You know, I want you for my services. The the phrase that just kind of rings in my mind. I don't know that my my eardrum vibrated, but I clearly heard God speak to me about that. Mm. I didn't know what that meant. Um, I kind of immediately began pursuing that, but then uh, a couple of years later, you know, freshman in high school, that sort of thing, 
entering into ministry is not necessarily the coolest thing to, to be talking about in high school and that kind of thing. So I was pretty well bent on doing anything other than that until I, about 17, my senior year, I really got a fresh clarity about that and um, served my first church uh, in an interim capacity in the summer after my first year, uh, after my high school um, senior year and have been in some form of ministry ever since. So, uh, so yeah, it's kind of a neat thing, neat opportunity for me to go back and find that pine tree there at the edge of the campground where I was uh, that summer, mm. be able to sit under this. So it's kind of a holy, holy place. Yeah, uh, for me, for sure. Did either of y'all get made fun of for going that direction? I don't know. That I was so much made fun of. I, I just, I, I was self-conscious of it as a teenager, you know, um, and. I remember distinctly a conversation with my high school guidance counselor asking me what I was going to do. I was going to Sanford University. This was my senior year, you know, and I, I had it all planned out. I knew what I was going to do. I was going to Sanford University. I was going to get my degree in religion, serve in ministry. And, and she was impressed that I had a plan and I mm-hmm. had a very clear direction, but she's, she was trying to dissuade me from it simply because, it, you know, a religion degree is not necessarily amongst the most marketable ones out there in the quote unquote real world. So I don't ever I don't ever really remember any ridicule or pushback or anything for that. It was just I remember being very self conscious about it in my own life. Yeah. I you know, before I was in a ministry job, I had several of my friends already called me Pastor Josh. <laughs> and I wasn't, you know, an actual pastor. Uh, and some of those might have been tongue in cheek, uh, but then others I, I think it was uh, they were pretty sincere about it and so I by that time I had already surrounded myself with my, my closest friends uh, you know I, I could count on for you know talking about that kind of stuff with but um, do you think they yeah. identified that in you before you identified it I, I know I know some people did some people talked to me about it and I think it was through some of that counsel I don't I don't think they persuaded me to go that way because I, I really feel like it was God's supernatural call in my life. Uh, but I know God used those moments in my life to to show me some things. Added some clarity. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting because I've seen that in some others. I think I shared with you the story of one of the young men in my, my first uh, full-time job, uh, full-time ministry position. And my pastor then, Gary Fisher, uh, we were sitting at a conference table and he was a senior, and he just said, "Have you ever thought about ministry?" Now he's uh, he's in academia. He, he works with at a Christian college. He's one of the administrators there. But that was the turning point for Travis, um, and uh, just kind of a wake up call. And it was just that I just distinctly remember that and thinking, <clears throat> you know, there are times when people around us may see what God's doing in our lives before we actually yeah. see it. Yep, I agree. Okay, I don't know whose turn it is now, but... <laughs> rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> or as Josh calls it, paper, rock, scissors, but anyway. That's a Dothan thing. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll start with you, Josh. Yeah. What do you wish your younger self knew about your profession? Whew. Oh, wow. Well, I'm glad uh, you get to go first on that one. Well, yeah. Um, well, what's interesting is last week I started sitting down with Joe Zumwalt uh, and walking through a ministry book with him. And I'm starting to... Uh, talked to him about some of the stuff that I wish that I knew whenever I was about to go into it. And uh, yesterday was our second 
sit down together um, session talking about these things and I, I brought up how when I was just really getting serious about my faith I would watch all these preachers on YouTube mm. um, good preaching loved it and I immediately said I want to do that and you know as I really got more involved at the church and started in Bible college I saw very quickly like it's so much more than just that it's so much more than just preaching uh, there is so much more that goes into pastoring and, and just church work than being a good orator because mm-hmm. uh, I mean you can be a good orator and do all kinds of other stuff right. uh, but you can be a good orator and a a bad pastor and you're not going to last long wherever you're at um, so uh, that that was kind of that's what is just coming out of my conversations with Joe over the past couple of days um, there's I know there's a lot of other things I could think of but just tell him it's so much more than just preaching I still love preaching right. but I, it's so much more than that it's a true 365 day a year job oh yeah it's really a calling, not necessarily a job. It is. Right. It is. That's, that's such an interesting question. And I, I think mine was, is going to be in the same vein. Um, that The notion of having oh, some celebrity or some notoriety of achieving or, or feeling like you were going to achieve something in ministry to come to some gold ring moment that you've arrived. You know, I can remember going to Ridgecrest, North Carolina's uh, and you know there would be 1,500, 2,000 students at events like that, and I had opportunities to be on stage, you know, for various things. But just thinking, you know, that's what I wanted. I want to be able to to be the the keynote guy at yeah. this moment, and uh, and just coming to the place to where I understood that that's not the goal. The goal yeah. is faithfulness, and. I, Last month, I was as I'm making my way through my Bible reading, I was back in First Kings again, and came to that moment where Elijah has just won the, the big battle with the prophets of Baal, and he's run off. He's in this terrible, depressed moment. You know, go and take my life, God, and all that. And God comes and asks him a couple of times, "What are you doing here?" And I'm the only one. Elijah says, and God says, "No, there are seven thousand who still have it, and we don't know any of their names." And that, that just really rung mm. true with me. Yeah. That we know Elijah, we know his story, and God bless Elijah and that sort of thing. But there were seven thousand more of them just like him, and uh, and to be, I think that's how to communicate that message. But to be content to be one of the seven thousand with no name, as far as the world's concerned, yeah. but to be faithful before God, um, you know, to serve in obscurity as far as the world's concerned, is a really good thing yep. as far as God's concerned. Um, because it's about him and not about me, and that's 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 the other side of that celebrity idea is you know wanting to pat myself on the back to have some other affirmation in my own life that I have personally arrived, rather than accepting God's affirmation that He's called me, He's faithful, He's going to accomplish what He wants to do in my life, and for me to be okay with that. Yeah, that's good. Is it harder or easier to do ministry post COVID? Harder, still hard. So we still haven't fully, you know, come out of that in some ways. There are, are still people that are, are dealing with that in various ways, some in some very 
um, you know, because they've got some difficulties, but others because just the uncertainty, you know, what are we dealing with? And then, you know, for the church, um, you know, it's, it's raised a whole lot of other questions as to can't we just do this online now versus why do I really need to be in person and having to re-engage with that? Um, and there's just been all, there there are a whole lot of new things. We're still processing. I mean, we're, what we're two years post COVID now, not post COVID, but since it broke, we're two years into this thing now. And I think, as a leader, you know, I mean, there was a whole lot of exhaustion and still just trying to get my breath back, get my feet back under me uh, from that. But then also understanding that culturally, uh, societally, we have really dealt with a lot of trauma from that that we're still processing through yeah. and trying to get certainly myself personally but then us institutionally as a church organizationally um, to another place with that it, it's there, there's still things that you're dealing with that you that I sometimes may not immediately attribute to this is part of the COVID effect but then as I get a little space and think about it oh this is part of that. This is part of what we're dealing with. And then there are the new, uh, you know, complaints is the wrong word, but the new criticisms of, and, and they're valid. We need to hear, you know, about how our online presentation is and, you know, how we're interacting in those virtual spaces. Um, that's just added a whole other layer of ministry that may, you know, to some extent was there, but it just was not there in a, in a big way in a, in a, um, a way that was front and center and it's, it's so so front and center now that we just have to deal with that whereas you know before it was there but just wasn't a pressing concern all the time so it's just added layers of things that weren't present before I don't know how to add to that <laughs> that's pretty good you're welcome <laughs> well we'll start with you now okay how do you self-educate I pay a lot of money. You're, 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 say, you're asking the PhD guy how you self-educate. That's great. That's a great well, question. You had to have self-educated yourself before you started going through different layers of schooling to yeah. get to this route. So how did yeah. you do it then? I did. Uh, you buy the books that uh, the seminaries and stuff uses, and you read them. Uh, that, that, that's all I know to do. Uh, there were some things that... Uh, uh, David Platt did called Secret Church mm-hmm. uh, and he would take a large topic like who is God right. <laughs> and he would have a six hour session on that and I think I went through every single one of those did you really? yeah and I, 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 he's still doing them today I haven't went through those in some time but I mean as far as the first Ten or twelve of those that he did because he would do two a year, <laughs> anyways. And so I'd go through those, and then I'd buy all these books that he's quoting, and I'd be reading through those. And that was before I even went to Baptist College of Florida down in Graceville. And so you you would have things like that, and that's lower level. It's not seminary class. This is meant as a church training. And so I think I think that's a those types of things are really good to to get into um now today uh even today when i have online classes i find free courses online that are similar to the class i'm taking online 
and I'll go through things like that. Uh, so with the faith life stuff that we had, the mobile ed courses, I'd watch through those in tandem with what I was doing online because we wouldn't typically have lectures to watch online, but I'd go through that. Um, I had to, uh, long story short, I had to re-up some Greek that I had. Mm -hmm. I had to take uh, a test on. So what I did, I went and found a free online Greek course and printed everything off, tested myself like I was, uh, you know, actually sitting in the classroom and all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, and that worked really well. So there are a ton of free resources out there uh, and there's more and more getting out there. And we can post some of those in show notes, something like that. But um, I think one big challenge was that is discerning what's What's sorting out the good and the bad or the good and not so good. Um, what do you want to spend time on? Yeah. Because they're free. You're not spending money on it, but what do you want to spend your time on? And so, yeah, we can help out with anybody who's searching out for those types of things. With you, I would think it'd be a little different because you've been out of school for a little while. A long while. Long while. Longer. Gets Remember, longer. he's got gray hair. Yeah, thanks. thanks. <laughs> White. That's right. Yeah, it is different, um, and I am not nearly as disciplined as Josh. I'll just say that uh, on the front end. Even as a student, I was, um, I was not, I never was a great student. I love learning, okay. But as far as me jumping through the hoops of getting all the papers and all the assignments in on time and all that sort of thing, you know, that, that was just a little burdensome to me. So. My, my self-education has been ongoing even from a young age because I, I, I'm a prolific reader, still read mm-hmm. all the time. And part of my education theologically um, and, and just personally and spiritually, I'm, I'm a big fan of Eugene Peterson, as you all know. And, and Peterson quotes a whole lot of people. And over the years, I have found myself with him and Calvin Miller as another um, formative influence in my life uh, from... Uh, just things I've read, I, I would pick up authors that they would quote, mm-hmm. and I'd go find those things. And one of the formative books, and I've shared this with Josh and a lot of other ministers, is uh, The Minister of Shepherd by Charles Jefferson. It's a series of lectures that was given in 1919, and it is as relevant today as it was 100 years ago. Yep. And um, and I found that. I think Peterson is the one that uh, mentions it at some point in one of his books. But... Uh, so that that has really been a kind of a pathway, and then just talking with others. One of my typical questions I will ask of people is, "What are you reading?" And uh, I just love to hear what other people are interacting with. And um, one of the great surprises of my life, uh, he was a pastor in Shelby County. Allen was his name. He's passed on, but I was at a state event with him one time, and I asked him that question, and it kind of stopped him. And he shared with me two or three things, and about a week and a half later, I got those books in the mail from him <laughs> and um, this was a that was really a, a tremendous uh, blessing for me because uh, as I've shared with other folks uh, reading is a way that I can have an extended conversation with with other people um, because we're reading the same things and we can begin to have some additional conversation around some of those ideas so um, and it's I, you know my my reading is not limited to strictly theology I, I do try to keep some theological things in the in the mix but I, I have come to the place where I'm, I'm reading more poetry I'm reading a lot of fiction 
uh, some that's just pure escapist, you know, kind of stuff. Uh, uh, King Solomon's Mind with uh, Alan Quartermain stories from the 1800s and, you know, just fun stuff just to, uh, you know, kind of be out. But also some things that are really thought-provoking. Wendell Berry has been um, a late favorite in the last five years. I've read everything I can get hold of on, from him. So, you know, it's just those kinds of things. And uh, it it all, it's, it's interesting how it all gets shaped together to help form additional thoughts and additional ways of thinking and seeing what's going on in the world. What would you recommend to someone who believes God is calling them to step into ministry? Say yes. I, I, I don't know how to get around that. Uh, that trip to Tarshish is not a whole lot of fun for Jonah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I'd say yes. You know, it, it's it, certainly seek some counsel. Um, you know, talk to others who've been down that path. And let's, you know, let's flesh that out. I mean, because it, there's a, a crying need uh, for, uh, you know, people to respond to that call. And I think that's an area in the life of our churches that and here at Salome, you know, we're blessed. It was so nice Wednesday night having Audra Kennedy back with us. And she was just talking about her time here 10 years ago now, um, but how formative that was in her own life. And, you know, things that we wouldn't recognize, we wouldn't have known had she not come back and told us how that was. But we've got, to, I think, as church writ large, um, not just Salome, but the other churches as well, got to talk a little bit more about that because we're, we're at a near crisis point um was talking about it uh, again this week that you know i'm the young guy in our association and this part of our association no longer the west central but um uh, in the cahaba and, and i mean so there are eight or ten churches right here within you know 10 15 minutes of us that are going to need pastoral leadership and who's going to step up and do that who's yep. going to be uh, willing to come in and going back to an earlier question to serve in obscurity um because Ephesus Baptist Church is not on anybody's radar of places, you know, that's a that's a plum. But it is. It's the bride of Christ and needs to be recognized as such and it's worthy. So so I don't know, that's that's so I'd say yes. That's 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 my response to that. That's your response. I would say get in a church as soon as possible. Hmm. Uh, don't try to train for ministry outside of the ministry context. That's such a good dog. Uh, you know, because there's a lot of training that happens just in a classroom. And there's only so much a classroom can teach you. Yeah. Uh, going back to self-educating, that was one of the reasons why I came here was to uh, be educated in the ways of pastoral ministry by the Reverend Dr. John Nicholson <laughs> over here. Uh, and, you know, and thankfully, I, I think it's happened. Uh, I'm not saying that I have learned everything I need to learn, but I can. You've learned a lot of things he probably didn't need to know, but anyway. <laughs> but it's a, it, I have learned a lot, uh, so much more than what I knew coming into this. Yeah. Uh, and so um, I, I just, I, I think ministry training needs to happen primarily within a church context. And so if someone's feeling called to ministry, yeah. serve in a church. Find someplace. And, and don't be looking for just for preaching opportunities. Where does the church need service at? And plug in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And I can reach back into my, when I was first stepping into seminary I did via extension which was not my plan I planned to go to campus and you know do the three year thing and that sort of thing and I had some questions about how viable and how 
effective in a, a, a seminary type education in an extension center would be but I found it was incredibly beneficial because on Monday I might be talking about uh, you know what are some of the you know what are the three major views of uh, eschatology and you know working through some hard theological kind of things really had to think about some things engage a lot of brain power but then Tuesday through Sunday I'm back out here with Aunt Bob Aunt Bob Aunt Sue and Uncle Bob <laughs> well yeah it's a tough community uh, but uh, you know but but I'm back in in contact with real life but I'm still dealing with here are these theological concepts how do they apply how do we put this into practice right and what difference does it make and so what Josh is saying I think is is right there with that yeah we've got to get the training we need the training we need the the education and we need those things but we've got to pair them with intentional service yep otherwise it, it does become ivory tower kind of stuff so often and that's detrimental do you think when people are called to ministry it necessarily means pastoral ministry no there are a lot of ministries, a lot of ways. And some people that are called to ministry uh, may never get paid a dollar for any ministry that they do. You know, I believe David Sanders is called to teach Sunday school as I am to, to pastor. Uh, we ain't paying him to teach Sunday school. Um, but um, is his calling any less than that? Not at all. You know, I, I won't hijacked conversation here but that that kind of goes back again to why i sit where i sit in the sanctuary you know we got those nice big chairs on the on the platform but i don't sit up there because i'm not in some position of higher authority i have additional responsibility i'm gonna be held to higher accountability but i'm still a member of the body of christ and so i sit amongst the body of christ and i come from the body of christ to speak to the body of christ as a minister that's my calling yeah um I think that makes you more approachable as well. I hope so, but I don't know. I hijacked that. What, what else you got to add to that, man? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree with all of that as well. But um, yeah, because there are so many different ways to serve yeah. in the church than just uh, being a pastor. And I think that's Paul's point in First Corinthians twelve. You think about the body. Like if everybody was a hand what what would the body be if every if the entire body was an eye what would the body be like every everybody has a different calling and so yeah it's very likely and probable that not everybody who feels a calling to ministry will be called to pastoral ministry proper um, now I think being a Sunday school teacher you are in some sense, doing some pastoral type sure. ministry, uh, even though you don't hold the office of pastor, and that's a different conversation. However, uh, yeah, I, I think if someone's feeling the call to ministry, you certainly got to ask that question. Uh, you know, am I being called as a pastor? But what else? And, and that's kind of part of my suggestion of just start serving yep. in the church period what what does the church need not instead of well you know here's what I want to do y'all make everything focus around me because right. that's not serving right so find a church serve where it's needed and God will begin to reveal those things as you go along yep. I think oh, sounds good what has fundamentally did I ask that? No. What has fun, <laughs> fundamentally changed about your work from when you first started? From my work here at the church, mm -hmm. fundamentally, I know I came in 
thinking about just working with youth. Like when, when we sat down at Barnes and Noble uh, in Dothan before I moved up here and we sat down and talked, my whole thought was, okay, well, yeah, I'm going to be learning what it means to pastor, but like my everyday thinking and, you know, just going through things here at the church will be primarily focused around youth. And now I've, today is just, it's certainly that. Uh, I'm wanting to disciple youth and and their families, but there's just so much more uh, wrapped up in all that. And so um, part of that also stems from, uh, not not part of that stems from, but uh, another aspect that's changed is I I see myself as uh, also a teacher now. So working with Marion Academy, I know this is is not necessarily wrapped up in the church, uh, but it happens here at the church. church. And so, you know, I'm teaching Bible class every day. And so it's similar to pastoring and and all that as far as, you know, teaching the Bible, uh, but it's a different role. And I've had to really hone those skills as much as I have everything else. Um, So... Yeah, I don't know if that's fundamentally different, but it, it has shifted in my thinking and, and what I do on a regular basis. I don't know if that's a we'll full answer, it. solid answer. No, I think it's solid. Yeah, it's and definitely that solid. Is representative of what has happened because I mean, you've grown into these other roles, you've grown and have taken on those responsibilities as they've been offered, and that's you know that's the biblical pattern: is you're faithful over little things, you get put over you know, responsible over other things, mm-hmm. and you've been incredibly faithful over all the little things, even <laughs> cleaning up poo out of the courtyard one day. I mean, you know, it's just things that nobody ever sees. I don't know about that one. I know, that's a great story at some <laughs> yeah, point, yeah. you know, but, but sometimes that's what pastoral ministry does look like, you mm-hmm. know. Um, you know, everybody thinks that it's the, you know, 30 or 40 minutes on the stage when you're speaking. That's that's not it. It's, it's the million and one little things. I mean, today, Josh is mopping up water on the third floor. You know, that's contributing to you investing a whole lot of time in study and yeah. <laughs> but he's just being a pastor um, so I don't know how do I answer that question I, I have no idea how to even get to that answer in my own ministry um, it's for me it's much more of a personal thing uh, I, I think of coming increasingly coming to the realization and understanding that it is not dependent upon me. It doesn't give me license to be lazy or to sit back and just watch the sun go down, you know, whatever. Not at all. You know, I, I still want to be diligent. I still try to be diligent in doing the things I need to do, And but it's not dependent upon me. You know, uh, that truth of John 15, 5, you know, apart from me, you can do nothing. That, that just keeps coming home stronger and stronger in my own life and I, I do get that sense y'all have heard me tell the story of the ant and the elephant you know where the ant's riding on the back of the elephant of this jungle and he looks back and sees all the destruction that has gone by and he says wow look what we've done you know and I feel that more and more and and so many it's, it's the, the incredible unique stories that we're a part of here at Siloam you know Audra was another one of those pins to put in that map if you will things that we just we can't make those things up we we didn't we didn't dream this stuff up you know 
This is just God's work, and he's invited us into it. And, and accepting that and getting to the place that I'm okay with it and that that I don't feel compelled to be out here pushing it. Um, and I, maybe here's the best way I can say that is learning that I cannot follow faster than my leader is leading. That's a good way to put That's it. That's good, yeah. And, and just getting okay with that. Because, I, I mean, I spent the vast majority of my life trying to be out in front and say, come on, God, join me, you know, but just getting to that place and understand this is about me waiting on God and waiting on his timing and, and being okay with that. It's been a long journey. Yeah. I'm slow to learn. <laughs> Most of us are. What is something God is teaching you in your current season of life? I think I just said that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, I, I think that would be the... the a big, big piece of that, and uh, but also you know, teach me that there's still so much more for me to learn. And that's the wonderful thing is that you, know, you don't get to the you know you don't read the Bible and say okay I finished that one and stick it on the shelf I'm done. And no, it's it's this continued engagement with this living God mm-hmm. who's making Himself known and He keeps showing me more of who He is and that makes me go back and reevaluate. Well, this is what I thought. Well, how do I fit? Okay, yeah, I see how that works now. And so it, it's just this constant. Uh, learning thing and I just you know it, it's, it's a joy it is a joy Lala's Jesus storybook Bible when you get to the end of it it says this story doesn't end with the end and you flip the page and it says to be continued because Jesus yeah. is coming back that's good yeah. I feel like that's a good way to, that's, to look at it I like that I like that that's good mine's a little less profound yeah, well, <laughs> than that you don't uh, have enough gray hair yet to be yeah. profound <laughs> mine mine is just how to how to be a good husband, how to be a good father, how to be a good church member, how to be a good pastor, how to be a good student, how to be a good citizen, how to be, you get, you get where I'm going. Like, uh, I, I'm trying to learn how to success, be successful in the biblical sense of the word. Uh, in everything that God has given me, how, how to be a good steward, I guess would be mm-hmm. a, a better uh, biblical term for that. How, how to be a good steward of, you know, just everything God's given me, um, and that's that's a hard one to learn. It's a hard one to learn. It's the one that you're always learning. Yeah, yeah. that's one of the other things. It's never ending. It's yep. always going to be something different. Yep. But that's, in, in, in this season of life, I'm feeling the weight of the responsibility that I have. And I, I, I don't want my master to come back and say, you foolish servant. Mm. And, you know, not have anything to offer him. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, that's, parable of the talents gets me every time. Okay. Anyways, yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, our last question, and the reason we saved this is for the end, is for a reason. First of all, it's Friday. Second of all, what sounds fun to you? What sounds fun to me? Yeah. Dropping a line in the water and going fishing. Look out. All right. <laughs> that's where I unwind my my reel and myself. So, yeah. <laughs> Pulling that bird's nest Yeah. Out. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. Even though I've lost my favorite uh, lure, i got to go buy a new one. But uh, What's your favorite lure? It's just a little four-inch rappel. Okay. Um, anyways. You don't strike me as the fisherman. 
Yeah, I'm I'm not a huge outdoorsman, even though like I want to be. I want to be that guy. Uh, but when I get outside, I'm like, can we go back inside? <laughs> <laughs> it's warmer inside. It's hot outside. <laughs> or, or it's cooler inside, yeah. or you know, whatever season it is. Uh, but fishing, I will do. Yeah, that's the most outdoorsy thing that I typically do. That's fun. Yeah, that's good. That sounds fun. Yeah. What sounds fun to you? What sounds fun to me? There are all kinds of things that sound fun to me. The sound of fishing is, is, a, is a fun one. Um, right now, our living room, we were having this conversation the other night. We've moved all the furniture out of the living room, and we have this huge inflatable that Vanessa has bought for the grandkids. And that's what's in our living room, just because it's this season that's generally wet and cold and that sort of thing. So she said, we're moving all the furniture out of the living room, and that's what's going to be. And so Tuesday nights or Sunday afternoons, whenever the kids all come over, we hear that fan crank up, and you know the info, and they are just jumping and laughing and just having a ball. And man, it just makes my heart smile. And I just think of you know uptight church members who would probably be horrified to walk into our living room and find this inflatable in this living room in this beautiful <laughs> house. But uh, you know, it's, it is. It's just a joy, and that's um, you know, last night uh, being able to hold Shepherd. He's just now beginning to really become having his personality and that sort of thing, just grinning and cooing and. There's nothing that beats that for me. Mm. That's good stuff. Yeah. Well, that wraps up the questions. Thank you all for participating. Well, we'll have to have one with where right. we ask you oh. all Absolutely. these questions. That's and, right. And more. Your turn's coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not sure how well I'll do. Uh, you'll do fine. That's right. <laughs> Certainly. All right, folks. Well, thank you. We're looking forward to getting back in the saddle on uh, some podcasts and uh, being able to share with you this venue. Thanks so much for listening, and we look forward to talking some more with you. All right.